Let's do this! Hit record! Done dead, son? Shit. Don't bullshit. 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 Shit! Fucking bullshit. Bullshit. It's bullshit. I did not hit her. I did not. Oh, hi, Mark. Bullshit. Where would we be without our safe, familiar American bullshit? Land of the free, home of the brave, the American dream. All men are equal, justice is blind, the press is free. Your vote counts. Business is honest, the good guys win. The police are on your side. God is watching you. Your standard of living will never decline. And everything is going to be just fine. Welcome back to the Bullshit Filter, Ray Harris. How's it going? Oh, it's all right. Uh, you were on holidays last here. week. Yeah, uh, oh, I had a great time. I had a great time. Sat around the pool, was drunk by 5 p.m. every day. I don't remember much after that, but it was good. I remember Where did good you stuff. go? Which pool? Uh, Where? What? Uh, we, we went to North Carolina, one of the hot spots of COVID, so that's how smart I am. But we were on the <laughs> beach. Uh, we were in Duck. We were in Duck, which is a little peninsula, the little sliver of land there right uh, next to the Atlantic Ocean. So we stayed away from everybody uh, and had a good time. So hopefully no COVID. Fingers crossed. Wow. Yeah. Did you wear masks? Um, No, because we were literally renting a house and in the backyard was a pool and we walked to the beach and we stayed away from everybody. And we didn't go shopping. We didn't go to any stores. We didn't do anything. We brought our own food. And it was right. one of the weirdest vacations. We literally stayed away from everybody. Yeah, sounds like the perfect vacation to me. <laughs> Except you had family there, so I didn't. Oh, you know, family! No, you can't have that. everything. No, 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 not like our vacations. Anyway, <laughs> so uh, it's been a while since we've done a bullshit filter, folks. Uh, yeah. I think it was a month or so ago. I did some interviews, maybe a little bit longer. We were talking about the riots, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You weren't in, right. you weren't even part of that, so it's been a long time. No, since you I was. I, Yes, I was actually out riding. That's why I couldn't be here. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was out in uh, my mind. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but I wanted to. I, I and, and it's one of the reasons I haven't done one for the last. Apart from the fact that I, w- I was on, I went away for a couple of weeks, and you've been away. Is um, so hard to know what to talk about. <laughs> There's just so right. much. There's so yeah. much bullshit going on at the moment. Uh, it's hard to know where to focus the gun. But something inspired me. And uh, I, I've been having a conversation with my old friend, J. David Markham, on and off on Facebook over the last mm-hmm. year about the question of whether or not the United States of America is a failed state. Mm-hmm. Now... Uh, of course, as anyone who knows J. David Markham will know, when I suggest that America's a failed state, it's just perfect for, for setting him right off. He completely <laughs> loses well, yeah, his now. shit. Right, right. <laughs> just yeah. calls me an America hater. I just hate America, etc., etc., etc. But I think yeah. it's, a, it's, a, it's a genuine uh, question. I'm not just doing it, <laughs> believe it or not, to rile up David Markham. It's uh, it's a genuine question. Is the United States of America a failed state, or is it just failing to live up to its potential? Right. How do we define a failed mm. state, and why does it matter? Now, again, I have to explain to everybody, the reason I pay attention to what's happening in America is, for well, threefold, really. Number one, I, I care about America. Like, I care about every mm-hmm. country. I care about Americans. I care about every country in the world. I I don't want to see any people uh, anywhere in the world uh, suffer or be oppressed right. or, right. you know, have to live with violence or, or uh, poverty or economic hardship. My vision for the world is one where everybody is safe, everybody has food in their belly and a roof over their head and health care. And, you know, we really live up to the potential of the human race here in the uh, nearly the the third decade of the 21st century. Right. Um, Maybe we're already in the third. Are we already in the third decade of the. No, it's next year, really, the third decade. 
It was the end of the second day game. Um, secondly, um, you know, uh, uh, I worry about yeah. the effect that the United States being a failing state or a failed state is going to have on oh, yes. geopolitics, on the rest of the mm. world. We've right. had failed states before in human history, but never before have they been sitting on three or 4,000 active nuclear warheads <laughs> uh, or had the largest military in history by a factor of 1,000. Uh, straddling, straddling yeah. the globe, yeah, and eight hundred bases. Yeah. <laughs> so the the you know the the, the worry and and also clo- so closely intertwined with the global economy. Um, yes, now Britain was when it it, it collapsed and economically uh, in the during World War Two, one and two. You know, I was obviously a big player in the world economy, and had far-reaching effects on the global economy, but mm-hmm. America came in and bailed out the global right. economy in part with the Marshall Plan, kept it afloat anyway for a little while until countries could recover. Yeah. You were going to say it's something? It's okay. We got, we got China now. So when America collapses, well, yeah. the China will step in. and Well, will yeah. they? That's a whole nother show. We'll yeah, yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I, I, I think there's evidence that they're already trying to do that in a way. Um, good point. Yeah, we talked about that in our China episodes. And the third, so that's the second reason I'm interested in America's yep. state. And the third is that if America is in fact a failed or failing state, uh, it's a warning sign for countries like mine that maybe we shouldn't follow the American model too closely. You know, in many ways, we do follow the United States. And there's certainly forces on the right politically in my country that uh, urge the people here to follow America in various ways, privatization of public Mm. assets and... uh, you know, a reduction in our welfare system, a reduction in our healthcare. People are arguing for more liberal laws regarding gun ownership. Um, so there are there are issues like that going on here all the time, and we want to be paying attention to well, how's how's the American model playing out in right. in America? Cautionary tale, yeah. That's my opening comments, Ray. Do you have any yeah. any any opening comments? Ray Harris, well, Professor Ray just, Harris. As we go through this, uh, I'm, I'm going to make an argument that some people will agree with and some won't, is that the American people um, are, I think, at a certain rating versus the American government, as, as we're going to go into. But in some ways, that doesn't matter, because I think that history has borne out, that at least in the last 70 years, that the American government can make a string of really bad choices and the American people will bitch about it. But as long as they're... Um, getting taken care of in a very basic way. They really won't do anything about it. We bitch every election. It only takes something like watching a black guy on a video, literally have the life choked out of him for eight, just over eight minutes on a video uh, before so, you know something seriously erupts. But um, I think the American people uh, are generally decent people. But again, it doesn't matter because they're not the ones running things. It's the government, like you were saying, uh, making bad decisions, which affects the rest of the world. And that's kind of what we're going to to go into tonight. Yeah, look, whether or not America is a fail or failing state is in no way a reflection on the American people en masse. None of my Mm -hmm. criticisms of America's political system or military or economic hegemony is a criticism on the average right. American. The average American is like the average person anywhere. I, yeah. f- I feel like they just want to really, at the end of the day, they want to live their lives, have some food in their belly, you know, get laid and um, have some fun and pursue their interests and etc. Maslow's hierarchy of needs, all that kind of stuff. Right. Right. But I just think that needs to be said, even though it's obvious because of this heightened state, everyone's so sensitive. Everybody's looking to be outraged about something. And so sometimes you have to be you have to overstate things just to try to make it clear. But they'll probably if they want to be angry or outraged, they'll find a way to do it anyway. But we're doing everything we can to just put it out there and be honest with people. Markham posted (laughs) something on Facebook the other day about 
China and the South China Sea, and we have we have to stop we have to stop Chinese expansionism. I said, "How do you feel about American expansionism?" And he just went off, and half of his his people on his Facebook page going off at me. This isn't about right. this is about China, not about you. Always have to blah blah blah. Ooh. I'm like, hey, it's a simple question. I was just I'm just wondering, like, how do you feel about it? Like, are you against right. or expansionism for every country, or is it just China? Like, just- how do you feel about? Israeli expansionism. <laughs> I'm just wondering, well, you know, is this an yeah. anti-Chinese well, thing or just an anti-expansionism thing? If I, I have to ask, because I'm, I'm not an expert in this, but I think China is the second largest country in the world, or it's in the top four, something like that. And if they do take a couple islands that are near their coast in the quote-unquote China Sea, not exactly the end of the world. Now, if we were to go and just invade Cuba and take over, that's that's more of an issue. But when people get worked up about that, it's I think it's a very selective anger that they have. Not that I'm an expert in China relations, you know, that kind of stuff. But it's it's I find it strange that they get worked up about certain things. Uh, the whole anti-China rhetoric coming out of the U.S., as we talked about when we did the China series yeah. uh, six months ago, whenever it was. It's just continuing to ramp up daily, um, which yeah. we you know we predicted, and it's you know this is the new thing. It's now, happening. The new Cold War. Yeah. yeah. Anywho, let's focus on America, not China today. Now, right. The big question when you talk about failed states or failing states is to figure out what the definition of a failed state is and why does it matter. Well, I, I talked a little bit about why it matters in terms of the U.S. before, but the whole mm-hmm. idea of failed states. I mean, I think the concept of it goes back to guys like Max Weber, the early 20th century uh, German political... Sociologist, yeah. Yeah, sociologist, political theorist. Mm -hmm. Um, But in more recent times, it's become popular sort of since the 90s when some African countries started to collapse and get taken over by warlords. A lot of conversation in geopolitical diplomatic circles since then talking about failed states and what can the international community do to mm-hmm. identify and prevent failed states or at least to help failed states recover from their failure. What, what should be the role of the international community? in terms of supporting those states uh, economically, militarily, with uh, health care requirements, etc. But the right. definition is all over the place. When you go looking for a definition yes. of a failed state, there's a lot of them, and <laughs> most of them are fairly American-centric in their view. Like they're yes. pointing the finger out at um, smaller developing countries really so the fund for peace which i mean that's one of those names that i immediately uh <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? spider sense tingles yeah, <laughs> yeah. oh yeah. really the fund for peace <laughs> if i was ever going to name a military organization whose intent <laughs> like a secret evil dr <laughs> evil organization to take over the world that's what i'd call right. it the fund yeah. for well- peace I looked up freedomlovingpeoples.com. That was taken. So, yeah, I would go with Fund for Peace uh, because it just sounds... Now, technically, this organization is about developing practical tools and approaches for reducing conflict. I think sure that sounds great. That just yeah. that's, that's a flower, you know, behind the ear, hugging a tree. Sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah. The, we'll fund for, the Fund yeah. for Peace. Uh, well... Uh, yeah. Go ahead. I was just going to say the Fund for Peace has four characteristics of a failed state. Um, I, I was going, I, I basically, I, I probably found the same thing you did, but I was going to read out the four and get your and get your reaction to those. Um, oh, but are, are you going to, yeah, go ahead. Let's do yeah. that then. Okay. Yeah. So the first one is, according to Fund for Peace, is uh, one of the characteristics of a failed state is the loss of control of its territory or 
of the monopoly of the legitimate use of force against its own people. And again, that goes back to, to Max Weber in 1919, who said that uh, one, of the, one of the ways that it, it, it becomes legitimate to use force against your people is by the even-handed application of the rule of law. Now, you could argue that Trump is doing the exact opposite of that. He's sending in federal troops into Portland and they're, they're kicking ass. But would you say that America has lost control of its territory or the monopoly of the, the legitimate use of force against its own people? Mm. Yeah, that's a good question. And let me, let's break that down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. Let's take uh, Germany in the mid to late 30s. Right. Would you say, uh, you know, you're the world's leading expert on World War Two. Would you say that Germany, Nazi Germany, was a failed right. state? Oh, well, so Hitler comes to power <coughs> January 30th, 1933. The Reichstag fires soon after that. And after that, he declares martial law. So the people, by the end of the first year, lose basically all of their rights. So they haven't lost any territory. They have used the rule of law to, legitimate, to legitimize the use of force against their own people. So by this definition... It has not become a failed state. But when your people are literally slaves to the government, you could easily argue, what's the point of being in that country if it's it's all being controlled by Berlin? So um, on a humanitarian level, it has failed because the people have lost so many rights in a very short amount of, amount of time. And the government is brutally cracking down on anyone that does not agree with them. In fact, the first concentration camps, which were political, were set up the first year of Hitler coming to power. Right. So I, I think most of us uh, mm-hmm. would say that Hitler under Germany was a failure mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. as a state by any, like forget this definition, by, by any, right. yeah. any, any average expectation, of, particularly of a highly sophisticated country, like Germany yes. was at the time, oh, yes. and it already produced the greatest scientists, the greatest philosophers, the greatest composers, uh, composers musicians mm-hmm. that the world had ever seen. So it, it was at the this. pinnacle. It went yes. from being the, uh, the pinnacle in many right. ways yes. of Culturally. human achievement. Yes. yes. I mean, still very, very militaristic and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff, well before Hitler, of course, as right. most European countries were very aggressive and militaristic in their in various ways, but in terms of culturally, it, uh, it achieved the pinnacle of human achievement at the time, and and to go from that to Nazi Germany uh, was a complete failure, I would say, yes. of of the state. So even though technically the German government. Right had control of its territory and had the monopoly and was happy to use it of force, whether or not it was legitimate is debatable, uh, <laughs> against right. the people, uh, to me, is not was not really a determinant in whether or not Nazi Germany or yes. Russia under Stalin was uh, a successful state. Yeah. Um, you know, I I think we can look at Russia under Stalin. Obviously, he had after World War Two, uh, had well, before and after World War Two. Let's say that had control uh, or monopoly of the force within the state, but mm-hmm. not exactly what I would define as a successful state by right. my right. measurements of what to expect. Again, Russia produced a lot of great. Artists, a lot of a uh, lot of great, and and even afterwards, Poets. You know, yeah, after oh, World yeah. War Two, you know, first man in space, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, mm-hmm. leading the way with the on the with the space race. Um, yeah, great, great literature, uh, great music, Shostakovich, Dostoevsky, uh, all of these names mm-hmm. that, that that ring down throughout history, um, Tolstoy, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, but um, was a failure as yes. a state. I think we can agree on that. So this one about whether or not you have control of the state. I mean, obviously, if you lose control of the monopoly of force, if you lose the monopoly of force, and basically what that means is you have a bunch of um, militia or warlords 
running around right. and, and, and the state is ineffective in dealing with it, yeah. um, then that's an indication. But I think even without that, you can quite easily have a failed state. But then let's look at what's happening in the US at the moment, right? So Trump sent in uh, CBP and ICE, the, Cust- mm-hmm. the Customs and Border Patrol and the ICE right. agents, the, the DHS-controlled uh, agents, into Portland and various other states now, I believe. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so who has the monopoly on force in the state of Oregon, for example? Is it the state of Oregon or is it the federal government? Because obviously the the government of the state didn't want DHS's right. troops in there and right. have been trying to get them removed from the state. I see that in the news this morning that there is an agreement that the DHS troops will withdraw from downtown Portland, but they're staying close by in the state, yeah. even though the state doesn't want them there. So has right. the state of Oregon lost control of, uh, or has it lost the monopoly of force within its borders vis-a-vis yeah. the federal government's unwanted and some call illegal intervention? Right. Yeah, I'm not a constitutional authority, but I think obviously Trump was using the uh, the, pro- the protests, riots, whatever you want to call them, to justify sending in, you know, if, if you will, trumping what the state wanted and sending those people in. I also read this morning that a lot of people who were, and I'm sure you've seen the reports, were picked up in vans by unidentified, you know, masked and armed men. They were taken away somewhere. And rumors have been getting out that they have been let, some of them have been let go if they promise not to protest anymore. That, I know, is a constitutional violation because it's the freedom of speech I have the right to to gather, to assemble, to complain, or whatever. So so this whole thing is dicey. Now, let's be honest for a second. These people are going to be let go. The feds are going to leave. And I know that there's currently an investigation into the activities of these federal authorities. I'm not holding my breath waiting for anybody to be fired, to be punished, to be put in jail for what's happened. It is probably not going to happen. And they're going to get away with it. And they were terrorists of a kind on their own. So, um, so... Obviously, the federal government can step in, but to answer your question, yes, Portland uh, has lost the ability to police its own streets because the federal government sent in their troops, and so you could say that they've lost their territory or the right to use legitimate force. Mm. Mm. Um, all right, what's what's question number two, Ray? Okay, number two is the erosion of legitimate authority to make collective decisions. Mm. Well, it's a little tricky here. Yeah. Well, let's let's talk about America's ability to handle COVID. Um, yeah. The world's uh, reigning economic superpower. Um, we hit one hundred and fifty thousand today, two hours ago. One hundred fifty thousand deaths. Right. So, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, from where I sit, looking yeah. at how America has handled this, to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was. It's a demonstration of a complete inability to right. make a well, collective decision as a nation to handle the biggest health crisis the world has seen in a century. Right, but let, let's drill down into that a little bit. Let's split some hairs because th- this is America. This is not um, like Britain or whatever. You have the federal government, and then you have states, and you have the state government. You have state rights. All that stuff is explained and divided up in the Constitution. Again, I am not an expert, but the point is, you have a federal government, and then you have each governor who has a decent amount of power about how to handle COVID in their state. But to get getting back to what you just said. There's no difference between unwilling to do something about it versus unable to do something about it because the results are the same. Trump is not addressing this, and we, we don't have to go into whys, but we, we, I mean, if you've watched Trump long enough, you can, you can tell it's not fun. It's not sexy. It's not about him. It just doesn't, and, and I don't really think he has the ability to feel the pain of others. It's, it's just 
there's no jazz to it. He's not that excited about it, and it ruined his economy. And I think he had a 75% chance of being reelected because the economy was doing pretty well. But the point is, it's just not his thing. He's not going to do anything about it. So the state gover- governors have to do something now. So I would argue that we have not lost the ability to act collectively. But if we are truly just unwilling to act uncollectively, then it's practically the same thing because the results are the same. So we haven't lost it, but we're not using it. So does it really matter? It, it just becomes an academic argument. He's not doing all that he could because, and he's the president. He's the one who could really make a difference. And I want to be clear at this juncture that um, yeah. I, I'm not, I'm not connecting the uh, whether the question of whether or not the United States is a failed state to the presidency of Absolutely. Donald Trump. Absolutely. That was um, just an example, but I agree. Uh, I want to be clear on that because this yeah. is one of Markham's retorts was, well, a failed presidency does not a failed country make. And I'm like, well, yeah, yeah but the, no. the fact that Trump got elected as president is mm-hmm. just one more indication that the, the country is failing <laughs> right. to do a reasonable job to run itself and protect its citizens. In, right. in no normal timeline... Yes. Should a guy like Donald Trump have even got within fucking yelling distance of being the president right. of Well, of he the started country. out as a joke. It just, yes. he just hung in there. And yeah. 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 Like, you know, but, you being my co-host. Yeah. Um, right. It, but but I just want I just want to say real quick when you use the term failing, which I I, I, I think that's a, a good way to describe what we're trying to decipher here. I, I kind of interpret it as going in the wrong direction. So I agree with you. Him getting elected is the wrong direction for this country. The way we've been dealing with COVID or not, we're going in the wrong direction. So it, it's not as we're you know. And I know it sounds like we're splitting hairs, but there's a difference between failed state and heading mm. in the, the direction of becoming. A failed state. Yeah, and the question for me is, well, where in the journey is right. the United Are States? We? Now, some people, exactly. like like a Markham, I think, would even object to the 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 idea that America is failing. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But to me, it's quite obviously failing. But uh, let's get to that. Uh, I, I want right. to get to the broader picture of this in a minute. So, the erosion of legitimate authority to make collective decisions. What's the What's the next one? Uh, inability to provide public services. And I'll just say for this one, the answer to that is no, we still have the ability to provide public services, unless you're in one of those cities that you've been seeing on the news most nights, where there's rioters and there's fire and there's violence and there's clashing between the protesters and police. And I'm not judging any anybody, I'm just stating who these people are. Those people have had their daily lives ruined or disrupted. They've had services disrupted, but it's not all across the country. So again, the answer is technically no, but there are places in this country where the answer is yes. So again, we are kind of heading in that direction. We're just not there yet. That's my take on it. Well, what about something like healthcare, Ray? Yeah. Mm -hmm. How's your country doing in in terms of providing healthcare to its uh, citizens? Well, well, see again. We have to be cl- we have to be clear here. Um, Pre-Trump, pre-COVID, it wasn't all that great because because I've got stats that we can go into later. But the point is, healthcare in this country is pretty bad unless you got money or unless you've got a job where you've got insurance and all that kind of stuff. I myself do not have insurance. I went to sign up for Obamacare with me and my two daughters. It would have been seventeen hundred dollars a month for the three of us, and it would have been it was like bottom bottom tier, really shitty insurance. I still would have had to have put out a lot of money. So the point is, it's really bad in the, in this country. But the point that I'm not sure if you're trying to make, but to add on to that, because of COVID, a lot of hospitals, their ICUs, their 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 more intense wards, those are either full or getting full, and also a lot of hospitals are suspending normal non-emergency services until this is over with because you if you go to a hospital fuck that's where the covid is at so covid is affecting us in that way as well it's taking an already shitty medical service and making it even worse do you know how much we pay for health insurance uh do you mean like out of pocket yeah no, um, just un- what we pay a month like you said 1700 do you know what oh, we pay oh oh 
Um, I just assumed you didn't pay unless you went to the doctor and then it was under $5, but I have no idea. I literally have no idea. Yeah, well, we don't pay anything. I mean, for health huh. insurance. That's, in Australia, you have weird. basic health care provided. It comes out of your taxes, so you do pay. Right, right. It comes right. out of your taxes. But you don't pay anything that you see. It's, you know, there's just a big chunk of your money taken by the government for tax, and that covers health care, right. amongst other things. If you go to a doctor, <clears throat> um, it varies. Some places don't charge you at all. They just It's called bulk billing. They just bill the government. Some places don't do bulk billing. They'll charge you something like anywhere between, I don't know, $50, $60 uh, a visit to a doctor, depending on what you're doing. You can yeah. pay for private health insurance over and above that if you choose, oh, which right. gives you access to better hospitals, uh, supposedly better doctors. You, know, you, you get access to private hospitals with less of a, a wait time and that sure. kind of stuff. And, you, and that also, that private health insurance will often cover elective surgery, like if you want to get plastic surgery done or, I don't know, something that's right. not... Urgent, well, you've had serious, surgery, right? Uh, on my dick, you know, to make it shorter. <laughs> yeah, I had to do that. It was just you're killing uh, me here, too, Cam. Yeah, too cut difficult. It, cut it back. Too difficult. Right? Yeah, right. I offered to give you half, um, <laughs> couldn't, couldn't but you said no point. Got nothing to do with it. Uh, it's just a waste. Just be, just be. D- you know, my, my, my I just the, the right. farm, the farm animals on my property already scared. Uh, Here he comes. Hide. I don't know if I ever told you this story, but when we were in Europe, Heather took her mom to Canada and and fell down, hurt her finger. They took her to a doctor and she was freaking about out about the cost. And the doctor was like, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. She goes, how am I going to pay you? He goes, I don't know. I'm the doctor. I don't handle that. Um, I guess we could send you a bill. Um you could pay it or not pay it. What are we going to do? You're going back to your own. He literally did not care. He said, look, you're injured. I'm going to treat it. Leave us your information. Maybe we'll mail you a bill. Maybe we won't. I mean, it wasn't anything major. She jammed her finger pretty bad. But here we are as Americans completely freaking out about the idea of going to a doctor when the doctor's attitude is like, look, let me treat you and get the fuck out of here. I've, I've got more important things to do. It was, a, it was an eye-opening experience for Heather, her mom, and the rest of the family that went with them. Right. Just the way it is. Yeah. Uh, so in terms of taxes and healthcare, just while we're on the topic, uh, so yeah. I've got a report from CNBC from 2017. The OECD average for what uh, people pay per annum uh, for, uh, mm-hmm. in taxes is 12911 USD. Right. Uh, that's the average in the OECD. The United States, on average, Americans pay fourteen thousand one hundred and fifteen USD per capita, slightly right. above the OECD average. Australia, I think these are two thousand and fourteen numbers. Uh, Australians paid on average seventeen thousand one hundred and forty-six USD per capita. Mm. So Australians pay a little bit more. What's that, yeah. uh, say, roughly maybe 20% more in tax than Americans? Right. 10% would be 14, 28, yeah, about 20% more. But it's um, coming out of your taxes. That is our taxes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's coming out of our pockets. Yeah. Literally, coming out of our pockets. Australian um, taxes are coming out of your pockets. No, no, what? no. When, when Americans so go to right now. when when Americans go to the doctor, we literally pay out of our pocket, whereas it comes out of your tax. And like you said, oh. they, they just take a chunk and you don't see it. You just you just know it's there. Just real quick to add on to that, between fifty five percent and sixty two percent of bankruptcies in America every year are directly related to medical bills. We could wow. do, yeah. So we could we could do a make a big hit on bankruptcies yeah. in this country, which is middle class, which is lower middle class, if we had a better healthcare system. According to the OECD, in 2016, Australia paid 9.6 percent of the nation's GDP on healthcare. Nearly 10 percent right. of our GDP goes to healthcare. The United yeah. States paid over 17 percent of its GDP oh on healthcare. 
Per capita health spending in the US is over $9,000. In Australia, it's under $5,000. So, uh, yes, we pay a little bit more on average in taxes. And yes, some of that goes towards health care. But overall, we spend nearly uh-huh. half as a nation on health care than the United States spends. And in doing so, give the entire country you know, free health care. Yeah. So anyway. In. Yeah. Like that's in terms of public services, that's the kind of thing that I'm interested in. Uh, the United States is the world's number one or number two ec- economy now, depending mm-hmm. on where right. it ranks with China this week, right. and uh, and has been the world's number one economic power for well, seventy years at least since the end of World War yes. Two, yeah. uh, and yet still today is unable. And by unable, you know, I include not not willing to. Not willing to means unwilling. unable to. Exactly. Yeah. Well, it's the same thing. If yes, they're not is. doing it, you're unable to do it, right? You're, right. I mean, you're una- you, 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 you would be able to do it if you gave a fuck, but the fact <laughs> that enough of your political leadership don't give a fuck means no. that you're unable to do it. The, the system that has created this political lack of will means that you're un- and you're unable to get over that burden. I mean, Obama tried yes. to nudge it up a little bit, it's been rolled back to a certain extent by the Trump administration. Um, and, and the same as like, um, I don't know, gun control, the inability mm-hmm. of the United States. You had Sandy Hook, mass murder of school children in school, yeah. uh, still did nothing about gun control, nothing meaningful about gun control your, your death as we, we we looked at this in our gun series obviously your uh, with your your death by gun per capita rate mm-hmm. right is, is massive compared to other yeah. civilized sophisticated developed countries and there's just a no no uh, political will to do anything about it um, right. across the board. So again, to me, that's an inability to provide public services. A public service is not only healthcare, but the the uh, ability to not worry about get, you know your kid getting shot by somebody uh, when they go to school on Monday morning. Right. If I could just say one more thing about the uh, the medical the insurance because we were you know we went down that pretty deep, but I don't know if you remember this. I think it was about two years ago. Someone, it might have been one of the Koch brothers, did did study. Um, I can't remember, but basically someone took um, Bernie Sanders' idea of, as far as making uh, Medicare, Medicaid, whichever one you know, universal for everybody. They were showing that if you did something like that, if you had a single payer program like somewhere like seven or 10 years down the road, you actually start saving money overall versus what you're spending now because a lot of people would be healthier. They would go to the doctors when when something comes up, whereas Americans generally avoid that unless we've got enough money to go or whatever. And so you, you would actually start to save money over time. It would cost a lot less than what we think it would but again that doesn't matter because what you said we we have been told that it's socialism socialism is not just wrong it's evil and we don't have the political will no one on the right is willing to step up and be the first person to go yeah i'll vote for that it's just not going to happen anytime soon even with something like covid uh when this Mm. first started coming out trump was attacking the obama plan so fuck i mean it's just not going to happen that's a failure that's a failure and you remember during our covid our early covid shows too, I talked about uh, whether or not Australia's attitude towards healthcare and our healthcare system versus America's attitude towards healthcare and your healthcare system would would play out in terms of our dealing with COVID. And I'm right. not sure that it did make a difference. I mean, Britain has a similar uh, healthcare system to ours, although I think it's got a lot more problems right. than ours does. And obviously, they're COVID outbreaks far worse than ours. By the way, uh, have we talked about the Melbourne, what's happening in Victoria and Melbourne in Australia right now? You told me part of your vacation got cut off because they did a shutdown on Melbourne because they had a small small increase or some increase in cases. Yeah. Did I tell you why? No. No. (laughs) So Australia pretty much shut down COVID by, I don't know, May. Right, we wow. we had April April May we had it was shut down very few new cases, very few deaths. Everything was locked mm-hmm. down. Um, 
under control. Yeah. <clears throat> but then we had, we had some people coming in from overseas uh, that were going into hotel quarantine that right. you know may or may not have been infected. But you know, mandatory two week hotel quarantine yeah. if you came back from overseas. <clears throat> Apparently, a security guard that was hired uh, in a no tender, quick, we need security guards immediately situation in Melbourne <laughs> to guard one of the hotels where these people were in hotel quarantine right. fucked one of the people he was supposed to be guarding in quarantine. That's not guarding. Go ahead. Go ahead. That the person that he fucked had the virus, uh, gave it to him. He then went out for the next couple of weeks, uh, going to parties, uh, hanging yeah, out, kick, just, seeing family, big family events, spread it. And oh. we have a whole breakout now in Victoria. Victoria ended up, you know, for the last couple of weeks, having more new cases per day than it had back in March and April at the height of, uh, of COVID uh, because of this one guy. And it's a wow. brand new strain that that wasn't the strain oh. that we had in March and April. So it's come in from overseas. Right. That then spread to New South Wales. And oh now God. it's just in the last couple of days spread to Queensland. A couple of 19-year-old Christian girls sure. went to Melbourne, uh, came back Orgy. to Queensland, lied right. to the border, lied to the border guards. We we have border border patrol uh, yeah. in Queensland, New South Wales border. You have to show paperwork. All you have to do is have paperwork attached to your wind- windows usually or your windscreen to say, I have not been in a COVID hotspot in the last two weeks. Right. And I'll just wave you through. They lied, uh, said they hadn't when they had, came back Jesus. to Brisbane, started going to church, going to work uh, at Christian schools, um, you know, going out, going to restaurants, and have, you know, obviously Jesus. spread it. Fucking, yeah. you know, just dickheads. But, Security guard yeah. fucking, fucking somebody who's supposed just, to be protecting. Just beat it off. I'm, I mean, that that's insane. But but it's okay because, one, it's it's pretty much like the flu and or, I've heard, it's a hoax. So, all good. <laughs> the point okay. is that, you know, uh, I don't know, whether a healthcare system helped shut it down or, you know, I think the big difference between between Australia's response and America's response is when the Australian government said, look, we've got the best scientists uh, who are telling us this is what we need to do. Um, Isolation, quarantine, lockdowns, shut down the economy. Let's do this for a couple of months and we'll get beyond it. If we don't, it's going to over flood our medical system and that could have a whole series of ripple ripple through effects, which uh, could be really, really bad. It's not just the people who would die from COVID, but if our... If it runs rampant and our entire yeah. medical system shuts down and our doctors and nurses start dying and our medical system shuts down, then, you know, the amount of people Bad. who normally die from heart attacks or pneumonia or strokes or car accidents or whatever is going to also increase by a factor of X because our medical system is is uh, clogged. Yes. Um, yes. So let's just do this. And, and Australians went, yeah, okay. It's a bit <laughs> like when... We had the mass shooting in 1996 in Tasmania. So, and our, that's again, it. then that's we it. had a conservative yeah. right-wing government, as we do now, yeah. federal government, that I, I don't like. I didn't like them then. I don't like this government now. I don't trust them. I think they're a bunch of scumbags. But mm-hmm. when they say, hey, uh, <laughs> when they sit with the guns, hey, listen, you know, this mass shooting that's thing, it. that's bad. We went, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah we, we should stop that. We all went, yeah, fair enough. And we did with the, with the COVID. <laughs> Right. Government. Scott Morrison, so, who's a douchebag, fundamentalist, right. happy clapper, Christian fucking nut job. Don't trust him at an inch. But he stood right. there with our chief medical officer and said, you know, our chief medical officers and scientists <laughs> think we should shut the thing down. Uh, and we all, we we all went, yeah, it. right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> so Sounds good. The S, Let's do it. S word that you used, was that scientist or celebrity? I couldn't remember. You said it kind of fast. <laughs> Oh, my God. The difference is Australians just go, uh, all right, well, listen, I don't like you. And normally I wouldn't listen to anything your administration says, but you seem to be basing this on science and reason and logic. (laughs) Facts. Yeah. Facts. So, okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's some some whiny people on Facebook that are like, 
fuck the science and let you know fuck these people and this is all a conspiracy there's the anti-vaxxer kind of right. conspiracy all theory over again. but they're they're yeah. they're a very 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 small minority that no one really pays attention to yeah. But Americans go like, fuck you. How dare That's you right. tell me what to do? And My, uh, yeah. it's been a very different response. Well, yeah. again, the, the one like I like is... Oh, no, go ahead. Okay, yeah. Okay, so number four. Number four. The yes. inability to interact with other states as a full member of the international community. So well, obviously uh, America completely fails on that one right now. Well, you say that, but okay, look, just because Trump pulled us out of the World Health Organization, the Iran nuclear deal, the Paris Climate Accord, and he's also pulled out of a few models, but boom, boom. Um, again, it doesn't matter if we're unwilling or unable to be a part of the international community because the results are the same. We're unwilling, so we're unable, like you said a second ago. There's another one that we, I think we definitely fail. Yeah, and keeps threatening to pull out of NATO, to pull out of the UN. Um, yeah. Obviously, international leaders, you know, presidents, prime ministers of countries around the world think uh, and can and say on and off the record yes. that you know, right. they can't deal with America anymore. Angela Merkel is a classic example. It's a waste of time trying to engage She's with out. the United States. They're, yeah. It's, it's yeah. just a fucking disaster, right? So, yeah, you know, like if we were going to score America on those four points, loss of control of its territory, I don't know, I'd give it a, a five out of ten for that um, mm-hmm. based on what's happening in places like Oregon and Chicago at the moment with Trump sending yeah. in federal troops. But outside of that, I, I mean, okay, there were the 9-11 attacks, but they were mm-hmm. uh, more or less a one-off. Uh, one-off acts of terrorism, I think, can be excused. But generally speaking, I'd say the U.S. has control of its territory. But the, then again, using the Nazi Germany or the Stalinist Russia examples, I don't think that's in in an advanced uh, right. a, in an advanced society. I don't think that's necessarily an early sign. It might be a late sign. It's certainly not an early sign of complete uh, uh, failure. Erosion of legitimate authority to make collective decisions. I would give America probably a six or a seven out of 10 on that mm-hmm. um, because they're not making collective yeah. decisions, we the could. big important but ones. And yeah. also let's let's look at, you know, the, the collapse of the economy in the US um, yeah. every 10 years, the GFC, the dot-com collapse, the, you know, bubble and collapse, the, the mm-hmm. savings and loan collapse under Reagan. Um, and the, the wealth transfer from, you know, the public treasury into the hands of the 1% that has been yeah. escalating in the last 40 years, rapidly escalating. The ability of the legitimate authority to do something about that and, uh, yeah. you know, prevent the, the, the flight of wealth from the people into the hands of the 1% is you know i think it's that's pretty dire so i'm going to give america like a seven out of ten for that inability to provide public services health care control of guns safety in the streets that kind of stuff again i'm going to give it probably a yeah yeah, i said healthcare. yeah six or six or seven out of ten for that because i think that's a big deal for an advanced country and the inability to interact with other states as a full member uh right now nine out of ten maybe even ten out of ten for that so let's say five, six, uh, five, seven, seven, ten, uh, fourteen, tw- uh, nineteen, twenty-nine out of forty. Not I good. would rate the United States yeah. not a complete well, f- mark, but uh, it's on the high end. Well, again, when you go back to we've been the world power for the last seven years, you think we'd be doing better. Uh, I just wanted to add one thing on because you mentioned the uh, the economic collapse, and, and I, again. Uh, we need to make this very clear. I'm not blaming Reagan. I'm not blame, blaming conservatives. I'm not blame, blaming uh, the Republicans. But back in uh, 1980, which is when I gained social awareness, the U.S. national debt was $9 billion. Today, it's $26 trillion. The Cold War was over in 1992. But obviously, we kept spending money on military and other things. And what do we have 
to show for that. The American people aren't any healthier. They're not any smarter. They're not any happier. They're certainly not any safer. So where did all that money go? And you can only imagine if you if you extrapolate those numbers, where's our national debt going to be 20 years from now? I mean, there's just no check. It's just a, a giant party, no priorities, no morals. It's just living for today, ignore tomorrow. And it's that's, you know, why wasn't there a rainy day fund for a pandemic? Why is it? Well, the good news is we've got $2 trillion set aside and we're going to be able to pay the American people and you'll be able to pay your rent and work from home. And if you can't work at all, you're still going to be able to pay your basic bills. Where's the, where's the rainy day fund? Because there's been other epidemics. There's been other wars. There's been other natural disasters. There's been other um, terrorist attacks. Do we not think that we need a rainy day fund? But for whatever reason, no one's planning ahead because no one thinks about tomorrow. And I'm, I'm going to get off my soapbox now. Mm. Uh, well, you know, that could lead into a whole discussion about modern monetary theory, but um, mm. let's leave that to later because I don't yeah. want to get distracted. Yeah. Yes. Um, so let's look at other... other uh, ways of breaking down what a failed state looks like. Charles T. Call, um, mm-hmm. who is an associate professor, School of International Service at American University, and, and also wrote uh, this song, I think. I'll break her one nine. This here's a rubber duck. You got a copy on me, Big Ben? Come on. Oh, uh, yeah, 10 4, Big Ben, for sure, for sure. By golly, it's clean, clear to Flagtown. Come on. Yeah, that's a big 10 4 there, Big Ben. Yeah, we definitely got the front door, good buddy. Mercy sakes alive, looks like we got us a convoy. Uh, Charles C.W. McCall, Charles T. Call, probably Same related. Thing. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. He has a slightly different framework that uh-huh. I read through. Um, he sort of focuses on three gaps that the state is enabled to provide when it's in the process of failing. One okay. of those is capacity, the ability of a state to deliver basic goods and services to its population. Mm-hmm. Security when it's unable to provide security to its population under the threat of armed groups. And the third is legitimacy, when a significant portion of its political elites and society reject the rules regulating power and the accumulation and distribution of wealth. Mm. Yeah. Now, um, yeah, 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 yeah. No, well, I was just going to say, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. After you. I was just going to say I'm going to do I'm going to do a a little bit of twist on that the one about not being able to provide security I'm going to lean on my wife's five percent blackness that uh, the DNA test told her that she had if you are black or not white in this country and the cops have been busting your ass and harassing you and occasionally killing your people for no good reason you could say that they're the terrorists and you're the one who's not being provided adequate security from the very forces that are there supposedly, to protect you. So it's, it's all in the eye of the beholder. I just wanted to mm. throw that out real quick. Mm. Mm. And she's very proud of being 5% black. So please yeah, when, when, yeah. And I mean, I thought that 5% was just D'Angelo. <laughs> That's so hurtful, but not yeah. long. She, had, she had no percent black like five <laughs> years he, ago. And now she's up to 5%. Along. Yeah. <laughs> Five percent D'Angelo is just what it said on the test. Really, D'Angelo. Anyway, DNA. That's what DNA stands for. D'Angelo. Deepen Angelo. Oh no, D'Angelo. Yeah. Okay. It was D. It wasn't DNA. It was D apostrophe A. D. Angelo. <laughs> Don't one of us is having fun. Yeah. Anywho. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I read a, a recent article that talked about a recent YouGov survey run in the United States where 31% of Americans say they're interested in leaving the country if their candidate 
isn't right. elected in the upcoming November elections. Jesus. It's mm. mm. ridiculous. I, again, well, you've, take, wait, 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 wait. Yeah. You've talked about leaving the country in the last couple of years. You keep talking yeah. about moving to New Zealand. Right. No, well, but that's not about Trump. That's just the direction this country is headed in. I mean, just a general dissatis- intense dissatisfaction with where we're at. Right. Um, well, like this, this framework that Cole puts together, mm-hmm. capacity, security, and legitimacy. The legitimacy thing I f- think is interesting because one thing that I think is, it's possible to deny is uh, a general feeling in the United States, it's been growing over the last 20, 30 years, where the, when the Democrats are in power, the Republicans think they're illegitimate. Um, right. And, you know, they express that through, you know, constant uh, trying to, you know, say Obama was Kenyan. Um, yes. And basically accusing of being a communist or a Muslim or, yeah. uh, you know, stopping bills from being passed and basically dirty, dirty football. Uh, right. When the Democrats are in power, when the Republicans are in power, Similar sort of thing from the Democrats. Like they just don't feel the government's legitimate. They don't want to listen to anything it says. They don't want to, you know, abide by it. It's not like right. Like where all right, asks. well, you know, I would rather my party was in power, but uh, the other the other side needs to have a go. I think that's yeah. that's a nice balance for democracy. You know, we get four to eight years. You get four to eight years, and uh, it'll, you know, it's it's good. Yeah. That's democracy, yeah. right? It, right. It's not. It doesn't seem to be like that in the United States at the moment. It's like fuck you. <laughs> Whenever right. there's an election and people, you know, lose their fucking shit for the next four years and. There's another election, and then the, the other side loses their shit for the next four years, or whatever it is, right? Yeah. Well, well you and I, we, we've covered this before, but again, it's not just that I'm on one side of the political spectrum, and the other, and the other people win, and so I'm, I'm upset, I'm disappointed. No, no, because the other side, I've been told, is evil. I have to, I have to oppose them. They won, but I'm sure they cheated. I'm sure they lied or whatever, and they're going to try to sneak things you know, into law or whatever. And so it, it literally is like a fight against good versus evil, except for both sides think that they're good. And we've started this, and we started this episode with trying to come up with the standard definition of what is, what is a, a solid definition of a failed state? Well, like you were just saying a second ago, when, when I was looking up information for this, the Republicans have considered America a failing state because of stuff like allowing same-sex marriage, uh, the Obamacare, uh, more progressive policies. But at the same time, liberals consider this a failed state because of all the wars we've been in um, and, and what uh, some of the things that Trump has been doing with tax cuts for the rich and, and deregulating the um, when it comes to the environment. So everybody thinks they're the victim. Everybody thinks they're right. And everybody thinks the other side is evil. So when you have something like that, you're not going to have moderation. You're not going to have compromise or understanding or taking the long view. It does not exist in this country anymore, no matter what, on both sides. And as we've talked about before, uh, and you hinted at earlier, I mean, the United mm-hmm. States has the largest prison population per capita of any country in the world. Yes, Jesus. Um, I mean, some people will debate that and say, well, we don't have real numbers from China. And when that, and again, that's difficult to prove. Mm-hmm. But as far as we right. know, America is, okay, yeah. so maybe America is number two to China, if that was still. proven to be correct, but still. Yeah. Again, for, the, for a country that has been yeah. an economic superpower and the only economic superpower for the last 70-odd mm-hmm. years... Um, the systemic issues that have led to your very large prison population haven't been addressed. And guys right. like Joe Biden are part of that. You know, guys, passing oh, yeah. the 1984 and the 1994 crime bills that mm-hmm. specifically targeted uh, minorities and the yes. behaviours of minorities. Um, so it, yeah, so it's not, it's not a partisan thing, right? This is a systemic inability yes. to deal with that issue. And getting back to that last one, I said the legitimacy, when a significant portion of its political elites and society reject the rules regulating power and the accumulation and distribution of wealth. Now, I talked about sort of political division, and that's obviously different from rejecting the law 
Um, mm-hmm. That said, there are countless examples, and I went through some of these in my psychopath book, of American elites basically breaking the law. If you look at yes. um, large corporations and the the sort of rules that they break, the laws that they break in order to increase their power and wealth, mm-hmm. because they know that if they get taken to court over it, they'll just pay a fine, get yeah. slapped on the wrist, won't admit guilt, will negotiate a fine and will right. get out of you know, get out of trouble. And that fine sounds big to the average American, but that's like a percentage of their yearly profits. It means nothing to them. It was actually worth breaking the law. And they'll do it again. It's fa- it's, it's factored in to their yes. business model. Yes, it's a yeah. business expense. Yeah, yeah, going, yeah. To, going to court next week. But it's, yeah. I've already saved some money, so we're good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, listen, Jesus. I'm probably going to have to pay pay our lawyers, our you know, our, our lawyers that are on retainer anyway. Yeah. Um, but, or our, our yeah. in-house legal team and our external lawyers. Uh, we're probably going to have to settle a fine for $200 million, but we're going to make $5 yeah. billion, so, right, so yeah, it's nothing. And then, right? then my lawyer is going to take me out on his yacht, so all good. All good. <laughs> I... Um, so, like, again, you could argue that, well, when they do that uh, and they, yes, they break the law, but they're doing it, you know, they're going to court, the justice system is, may not be punishing them much or in any right. meaningful way to stop that behavior continuing. Yeah, uh, you know, cute. you look at some companies like Goldman Sachs and the number of fines Goldman Sachs have paid for breaking the law year in, year out. They obviously yeah. don't give a fuck, right? So, <laughs> so even, you could argue that the justice system is involved, but is it really involved if, you know, these guys have corrupted the justice system yeah. to let them it's get away the with emotions. it? No, right. no one goes to jail. No one's life right. is impacted really in any way. I but if you're go, a stockholder... Um, I'm sorry, I was just going to say, if you're a stockholder of Goldman Sachs or whoever, you're really happy because the profits just go up and up and up. So you're happy, and that's all they care about is that the stockholders are happy. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, you're right. I've, just, I've, I've got a thing I've got to get to, so I need to wrap this up. But yeah, I just wanted to uh, finish this episode, which is just the first in a number of episodes we'll probably do on this. I'm going to have some guests on and want to explore what this means in more detail. But um, I pulled out... One of Chomsky's books, Failed States from 2006. Mm-hmm. So what's that, 14 years ago? He wrote, right. though the concept is recognized to be frustratingly imprecise, some of the primary characteristics of failed states can be identified. One is their inability or unwillingness to protect their citizens from violence and perhaps even destruction. Right. Another is their tendency to regard themselves as beyond the reach of domestic or international law and hence free to carry out aggression and violence. And if they have democratic forms, they suffer from a serious democratic deficit. 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 Debt. Fuck. Let me say that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. They suffer from a serious democratic deficit that Mm -hmm. deprives their formal democratic institutions of real substance. Wow. Among the hardest tasks that anyone can undertake, and one of the most important, is to honestly look in the mirror. If we allow ourselves to do so, we should have little difficulty in finding the characteristics of failed states right here at home. Um, Now, some of those things that he points out, regarding themselves as beyond the reach of domestic or international law, we know that the United States refuses and this is well pre-Trump, this was true during the Obama right. administration, during the George W. Bush administration, refuses to be part of the uh, International Criminal Court. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Um, and obviously we'll right. uses its veto in the UNSC uh, mm-hmm. whenever anyone's targeting the US or its allies for its behavior. But, you know, refuses to participate in the International Criminal Court. And the Hague says no. No, sorry, fuck yeah. you. You don't get to, you don't right. get to hold us accountable for the things that we do. I mean, allegedly. Okay. No, I'm just joking. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the democratic deficit deprives their real formal democratic institutions of real substance. I mean, I think, again, Trump's election, and, and he wrote this in 2006, a long time before Trump was even yeah. uh, a real contender. 
right. 10 years before Trump got elected. I mean, I think that is sufficient evidence that your democratic institutions are substantially broken. Compromised, yes, yes. Yeah. So anyway, uh, that's all the time I have for this week, folks. Uh, I, I, look, I, again, I'm not trying to pick on America. Uh, we could do this on any country, but America is the global military superpower and yeah. economic superpower. And uh, as I said at the beginning, when America falls over, it's going to affect. It's, yes. it's going to yeah, it's going to affect yeah. all of us um, yeah. in different ways. So it, it, it's an issue that is relevant and important for everyone in the world to pay attention to for all of the reasons I said earlier, not just Americans. And I'm not trying to pick on America, right? But uh, if, we, if we were. Rec- if we were recording this in, uh, I don't know, 65, 66 CE, and I was in Australia, I'd be talking about Rome. I'd be going, this Nero guy. Really? What's <laughs> yeah, going on there? I don't know. Yeah. yeah. What's, yeah what's to say about Rome? Yeah, what the hell's going on? Yeah. <laughs> fiddle. Yeah, what is a fiddle? Where was the fiddle I invented? Know. Really? I don't know. Somehow, I don't think violins was it a were harp? invented in We'll find out when we get to him. We'll find out yeah. when we get to him. Yeah. Anywho, thank you, Ray Bear. Thank you.